0: 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call one 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code baseball and get your $1,000 first bet offer today.
1: Ha <laughs> ha! baseball show is presented by bet MGM start betting with the king of sports books today tonight I guess Tuesday July 11th uh, unique all-star week schedule we released one on Monday morning we're putting one out Tuesday night uh, and then we'll put out big numero 500 a little bit later this week but this is the all-star break you know we're just gonna kind of hang out we're gonna do a, a second half preview of on episode 500 but today uh, I think the plan is just a a home run derby recap we were all at the home run derby it was an excellent show a beautiful spectacle and uh, J-Rod captured a crowd again and then totally tapered off which which we will get into Uh, also a couple of uh, rumors surrounding the trade deadline what two very underwhelming teams may do there but Peter Find folks at BetMGM have us in the same-looking room in three different rooms on this Zoom.
0: Yes, sir, and we are brought to you by BetMGM. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code Baseball. Download the BetMGM Sports app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if it loses. If the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER and must be 21 or older. Yeah, I think we all picked um, Julio Rodriguez. I know Jack, uh, Arm and I went Julio Rodriguez to win it. Jack went Luis Robert. They both made it to the semifinals. They both had incredibly great first rounds. Adley was hitting left-handed, then he was hitting right-handed. And I was a little bit nervous because I'm like, how is Luis Robert going to top that? He ended up hitting 28 home runs, looked like the favorite going into it. Julio Rodriguez hits 41, takes the top off T-Mobile Park. The place is going nuts. And then both guys completely fell below expectations. It was Randy under the bright lights against Vladdy, who's done it before, and Vladdy took it home. But yeah, that semifinal, you should have seen the air just getting taken out of T-Mobile Park. It was like sucking out of the air out of a balloon. People were so depressed. When he hit the 41 home runs, I was in a sea of Mariners fans. It it was as if they won the World Series. When he had that bad second round, it was as if they lost – the world series. They were hanging on by every home run. It was just an incredible experience. Arm. I know you felt the same.
2: I mean, it it was, it was one of those where it's like, it stinks that he didn't win it, but even that round alone, like I'm glad that, that the crowd had that moment. And that was one of the cooler things. I think we've, uh, there's nothing better than the hometown guy in a home run derby with the crowd behind him. But the problem with that a little bit too, is that you have that struggle of being able to pace yourself because The crowd's behind you. You want to put up this insane round like he did at 41. That's the record, right? I feel like that almost – they almost uh, egged him on to not pace himself because you could just tell he emptied the tank. We always reference back to like Josh Hamilton and what he did in that one round. And he was so locked in there that he couldn't stop and he had to keep going and keep going and just ran himself into the ground. I, I think that's exactly what J-Rod did, but th- the cool part was at least we got like an unbelievably electric round with the crowd going wild. But yeah, he definitely ran out of gas in that second round. And you could tell, cause they put it up on the big board. I'm sure people watching on TV, you could just see him just like, breathing heavy, the bat was getting heavier on him and he just, he just w- didn't have that same, same impact. But I thought there was a lot of really cool individual performances by round, which was fun. I don't know if anybody like totally stole the show, but before we like forget, I do want to shout out Adley Rutschman. He was like plus 2000 to win this thing. Um, he was the only left handed hitter, gave plenty of souvenirs in the right field for those who uh, decided to, to spend a little bit and try to get a, a home run ball yeah. out there because it was all righties. I, I thought nobody was going to get any balls in the right field and uh, then flip back around, like Peter said, to the right side and just had a second win there at the end. He didn't win. He ended up getting knocked out. But like I thought that was one of the more surprising and and electric performances because I don't think anybody really expected much from Adley.
1: No, and the two best moments I think were Adley's round and J. Rod's round. Uh Luis Robert, it was, you know, it was like jaw on the floor type stuff in the first round because he was so effortlessly mm-hmm. hitting bombs. I what the the prize picks thing that I gave out on the on that video um was Luis Robert over five, four hundred and forty plus foot home runs. Like that's what White Sox fans know Luis Robert for. It's just majestic and it's low effort, 465 foot homers to left field. They're almost up on the concourse at, at guaranteed rate. And, you know, I, I think the international baseball audience got to see what White Sox fans see. And, and really the only good thing, he and Berger, the only two good things uh, to come out of the White Sox season. So, so, so far. So Robert was awesome, but I thought the two moments that captured the crowd the best Were Adley Rutschman and J. Rod, Mm -hmm. and I understand why J. Rod was so quick to sign that extension. A, it was a great extension, and he got two hundred plus million dollars. This city fucking loves this guy.
0: Loves him. He's the king of this town.
2: It's really cool. It's definitely fun to see, and especially when you know you have a little bit of the changing of the guard here, like with with Russell Wilson out, and you know, kind of this transitional phase, and, and with the football team, and obviously the Mariners. I think are the second biggest team here, and, and and J-Rod is that guy, and he's not going anywhere for a long time. And, I mean, you just see jerseys everywhere. I, I have a question for you guys about the Derby because I love it, and I like a lot of the new rules, and I like I like the structure of it. But there was one aspect of the Derby yesterday that I think maybe on TV it's not as bad or maybe it's worse. I actually would love YouTube comments from listeners and or, or tweets at us on this topic. But, you know, I thought the 10-outs thing was a little bit too slow, and, and also like a guy – has five bad swings and he's like almost but i think the clock one peter and i were talking about this makes it like this like endurance battle more than like a home run derby and two i almost feel like it's hard to follow the home runs because they're like randy rosarena was doing like rapid fire swings like he was swinging back swinging back swinging back swinging back and i like i couldn't even keep up with like where the balls were at, at points and again maybe it's because it, i was at at it in person and not directly behind home plate. Like we were, you know, two times ago, but I, there's something about, you know, we were at the casino here at MGM late at night. They're playing the the reruns of like, you know, the 98 Derby and the 2000 Derby. And like, I'm glad it's not the 10 out structure. Like I would want to flesh out a better idea. But you can appreciate just the like back, 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 back and watch it go. You can't do that anymore. You can't do the Chris Berman back, back, back because there's another one in the air right away, right after. They used to do it where like if the ball – you had to wait till the ball hits the ground to throw the next pitch. And the pitchers were kind of like skirting by that rule. Maybe just enforce that rule because I feel like right now it's just – my one, one thing, I still think it's one of the best shows in sports of any All-Star weekend and anything, but – I would like to appreciate the majestic bombs a bit more. And I think you'd get more majestic bombs when guys don't have to go rapid fire and can actually just cut loose on swings and put on a show.
1: So I think that's the fix there. Like waiting, having the pitcher wait for an okay sign until the ball has landed. And maybe you extend by another minute. It was three minutes and then everybody got 30 seconds of bonus time. Also like, Shouldn't you have to earn the bonus time? That was yes. my thought. You I mean, earn you earn an extra 30 seconds. Yeah, like what's the point of a bonus? Like it's yeah. you can't call it bonus if everybody gets it. But yeah, I, I think if you strictly enforced the ball landing before the next pitch and you upped it from three minutes to four minutes, you can you can appreciate that a bit more. And I saw awful announcing tweeted yesterday. Like that was a problem with the telecast of it and the ticker in ballpark was a homer or two behind when guys yeah. are going these crazy runs. Yeah, I'm sure same thing on the telecast. So, you know, like I wanted to watch some of those balls from impact on the barrel to impact blowing up the popcorn in left field. And like, you just can't really do you that. Can't. You can't. If, there's if you no want to way. catch every swing. If yeah, you follow not the case. A ball,
2: If you follow a ball all the way through, there's already and like you're falling to the point where it hits the ground in the stands or hits, hits somebody's hands in the stands. There's already another ball in the air. Yeah. Like that, that's a crazy proponent of it to me, but again, it was a blast. It's its one of the best events in sports, but um, we can always tweak it. And, and I think shore things up a little bit. And I think that's one thing that I'm sure the directors and the producers will be saying like, Hey, throw us a bone here. This is exhausting. I can't imagine being a producer for one of these.
0: So Colby, he writes up his home run derby predictions Um, and I do too. And he's really unveiled this. He does obviously great stuff for just baseball. And he kind of came out with a method of picking the home run derby champion. And that method is you have to have a max exit velocity over 116 miles an hour in the regular season. And you have to be 26 or younger. If you look at every home run derby winner since 2016, those two factors have, you know, resulted in the winner, right? So those three guys who qualified this season were Vladdy Luis Robert and Julio Rodriguez. And the reason we use those factors is this has become more about stamina to arms point. Like this has become more about a marathon rather than a spectacle of looking at home runs. Could we have seen some farther home runs? Could we have seen some more majestic home runs if it weren't for guys like I got to hit as many out as Mm -hmm. possible and watching from center field, because I got two different looks at it, I sat next to Arm, which was down the left field line, and then I was in center field. In center field, it was awesome, but it was almost too many. You couldn't really observe the home runs. And I'm sure it's kind of similar on TV when it's just too fast. So the people who are debating, like, I would prefer the 10 outs, I can definitely see what they're saying, because there it's less about the home runs, and it's more just about the competition in itself. But at the same time, I do like the time because we're seeing more home runs. It's almost like, would you rather see more home runs? Or would you rather see less home runs, but the home runs themselves are more of the spectacle? Would you rather appreciate those as well? So do I think that three minutes is perfect? No. But I do feel like watching home run derbies ever since we were little, I do like this format a little bit I better, I, but I, I, like the format. I think it needs to be tweaked mm-hmm. because it shouldn't just be. And the main point of why I brought up that article is it always is the young guys who hit the ball the very hardest, right? You shouldn't be kicked out of the home run derby for 27 years or older. And then there's also the factor of the pitching. Adolis Garcia's pitcher was throwing him like curveballs. Pete yeah. Alonso, it wasn't his first choice as a batting practice pitcher. It wasn't his second choice. It was his third choice. And the guy obviously wasn't ready, too. So there's a lot of different factors. You need to be young. You got to be able to hit the ball hard. And you have to have a great pitcher to put the ball in the zone consistently enough for you to hit the ball out of the ballpark.
2: Is that a home run derby anymore? Or is that just like this crazy competition? Yeah, no, it, it's like you need the perfect storm. It's, it's a good point on the pitching side, too, because, like, <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a lot of pressure for these poor pitchers because the clock's running. If if it's out, okay, I can't find it. I spike five straight balls. That doesn't hurt anybody except for just people getting bored. But, like, it, it doesn't hurt my my contestant that I'm throwing to. Um, so that's the other side of it, too, is, like, the, the, the clock puts – it makes the pitcher a factor to peter's point like it makes the pitcher matter and and i think in a home run derby we should try to make the pitcher as you know the least as important as possible um but again like this is just like one of the the most perfect events in sports just being slightly unperfect in my opinion and and there's always ways to to tweak it i i like the way that they've gone and and i think that this is still one of the best spectacles in sports but um Yeah, I think I think we've just gone a little too far down the uh, cardiovascular endurance competition route. Uh, While also, can I find the best uh, BP thrower? Uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, Alonzo was brutal, like everything was cutting away from him. And then he was like running it up and in getting like good IVB numbers on it. Like it was just it was it was a tough battle for for Pete Alonzo in that one. Like that's where it's hard to watch because then you just see the clock going and going and going and going.
1: I wonder if we saw the rep Soto come out for for Pete Alonso. That would be good if if the BP coach had like a. Rapsodo. I saw I saw
2: a uh, pitching ninja had like a four pitch overlay <laughs> of, of his BP thrower. Also, um,
0: we we talked a lot about um you know Luis Robert and Julio Rodriguez. How about Randy under the big lights? Yeah, and, but, good, but good then point. not even just about Randy. Guys, Vladi won. Yeah, We haven't even talked about Vladi winning. Yeah. He wasn't like amazing in each particular round. He just did enough and then which outlasted is why he everybody else, which is why he won, right? He actually played it perfectly. So while he was probably the least exciting among the rounds, that's what ended up winning. That's why I do feel like we have to find ways to tweak this time because Julio Rodriguez hitting 41 home runs, Adley going switch hitter, Luis Robert hitting a 484 foot home run without really using his legs, which I thought was amazing. It was crazy standing there swinging with his arms and hitting moon tanks, but it was Vladimir Guerrero jr. Winning it for a second time and arm. You had a great tweet too. how we feel a little bit old because we remember Vladimir Guerrero senior ended up winning it. And we're going to go into, uh, you know, in the second episode. So this is episode number one, and then we'll have episode 500 talking about, Um, big second half predictions i am very high on vladimir grower jr and i hope he takes this kind of momentum and pushes it forward into the second half and then another point we also talked about the money matters to these guys like they're competitors so they want to win but a lot of these younger guys like they aren't making the 40 million dollars that max scherzer is making they're not making mike trout money so five hundred thousand dollar check That's huge. They want to win this thing. I mean, and Vladimir Jr. played it perfectly, even though he was arguably the least exciting, but he knew how to win and he played it perfectly
2: for, for Randy. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's going to hit free agency way later than most guys. He's never going to get like the mega, mega deal. Like 500 K makes it makes a big difference. So like I, I, you could kind of see these guys wanting it. And that's where it's fun when they have the young guys in it too, because it makes a difference for them. Um, Randy, uh, real quick, because Vladdy, so awesome to see him win it. He's another guy that just his swing's just so so consistent, and he just was so consistently putting it in the air, uh, which hopefully will carry over into the second half as well. So like high
0: had. in the air, yeah, so just high crushing, in the air,
2: crushing them. Uh, he was he was money, and he just kind of knew at the end he was going to close the deal there. Randy kind of ran out of gas too, but it it just it continues to remain a just basically like the sky is blue and and, and like any objective fact randy rose Rand is just always going to rise to the occasion like yeah. even though he didn't win it he, he rose to the occasion and took vladdy to the brink and like randy has no business competing with those guys like yeah. he's more close to to mookie bets and build than to the other guys and you saw what mookie did that he's the biggest disappointment even though i love him um it just shows you what what randy what randy's all about man like he just will always rise to the occasion and there's just something special about that guy. Uh, that said, super cool that Vladdy won, won. Now father-son duo winning it, and and definitely makes me feel relatively old for the first time, really uh, at 26 years old in a week. But like, th- it just th- this is it feels weird that I can remember a father and a son both winning the Derby. That's still something I'm trying to like wrap my head around.
1: I was sitting with uh, I, I was sitting with our video man extraordinaire Will Cohen during this. And when Mookie came up, I am going to admit this. When Mookie came up, I said, okay, this is my bathroom break. So I went to the bathroom during Mookie bets, and I was not mm-hmm. that uh, pissed about it after the fact because I know that I missed a very disappointing round. Um, last thing on the derby before we move on, you guys, I assume, watched the uh, high school finalists compete between the first round and the semifinal. P.J. Morlando, who's a South Carolina commit, the lefty hitter, was incredible. The lefty like smooth swing. That guy was hitting bombs. He was really impressive. So PJ Morlando, all of a sudden, is a name for me to watch in college baseball.
0: I wish they did that. Um, They made that a little bit longer because just speaking again to the stamina aspect of it, I didn't think there was enough time in between rounds for them to kind of really settle in and then like get that second wind. They kept going. That high school home run Derby was so fun but it was so short it felt like it was five minutes and then it was gone I felt like I looked down on my phone and we were it was already over so I wish they did more of that like I would love to see college home run Derby also be put into that too doesn't have to be just high schoolers. Like what if Dylan Cruz was facing off against Wyatt Langford in a mini home run derby, you know, in there too. It's not like, you know, they need the rest right now. They're just finishing the season. They're not Paul Skeens where he's throwing a billion innings and a billion pitches. They could still hit too. So I wish that they put even that aspect in. I wish they did high school then they did college and gave these guys more rest.
2: Yeah, that's true. They'd have a little bit more of a breather too. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I, everything's such like a TV schedule too. Like I see the guys stepping back in and there's somebody there just like, no, 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 you can't stand in. Right. We're yeah. still in commercial. Like it's just so crazy. I, I, of course that's, that's the nature of the beast. But if you look at the previous high school home run derby winners too, it's, it's a lot of really good players, including Bobby Wood junior, um, which is pretty cool. But yeah, I, I, every time they do the high school derby, I'm like, I always want a little bit more. I, I definitely yeah. agree with you there. I always want a bit more the, the college derby in Omaha is really fun, but mm-hmm. I, I would like, it to be a little bit more involved here too i think that would be pretty cool but um yeah it's, it's it's amazing how much tv rules like there was a game there was a national tv college game i went to for for base or for excuse me for football and it was brutal Miserable. everybody's lined up like ready to go and they're the, the refs literally like no you can't snap the ball yet because tv like it's just crazy how that works but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I I'm sure they're going to tweak it a little bit. I feel like MLB is in this stage now where they're open to tweaking anything. And I think we'll see them potentially do that. Uh, but there's a lot of players that I'm hoping that I was hoping to see in this year's competition that we didn't, we still got an awesome lineup. And the, the best thing about the Derby, the last thing I want to say is like the dunk contest used to be one of my favorite things in the world, but you don't get anybody of note competing in that anymore, which I think is interesting because I think the Derby is more straining on the body than a couple of dunks personally yeah. uh but for whatever reason we don't have the best players do it anymore like michael jordan used to do the the, the dunk contest like come on he used to have LeBron never harder. even did one yeah like it, lebron's never done one uh major league baseball still gives you some of the best stars in the game every single year in the derby And I don't think that'll change. And I think that's one of the best things uh, about the event. And, and I, you know, I'm really grateful that the players are so willing to participate in it and and put on a show for the fans, because you can tell the fans love it. You know, it's, it's a spectacle. Yep.
0: I wish MLB paid Ellie La Cruz, like a trillion dollars just to come for the home run derby or something. Like I I bet
2: he does it next year. I
1: bet he does it next year. I hope so. He definitely should. Um, All right. Two trade rumors uh, for this episode. And then we, uh, we'll talk to you for 500 but uh St. Louis and Nolan Arenado there's some buzz happening around that uh and then the White Sox arm I'm going to kick it to you on the Nolan Arenado saga of sorts there was a report from John Heyman saying that Arenado could be on the move question mark maybe sort of kind
2: of what's the word yeah i was i dug into that more and with all due respect whenever that a report comes from from that direction i usually try to corroborate with some with some local you know, reporters. And, uh, you know, it seemed like there was some dissent from local reporters. Like, no, I think Nolan said he's oh, like, just understands that anything can happen, but it doesn't seem very likely. Nolan also has a full no trade clause and Nolan also opted into a below market deal with the Cardinals. So if he opted into a below market deal because he just wants to stay there is one year really going to unravel all of that. Like, I, and also, if you're a franchise like the Cardinals that probably doesn't want to do a full reset, why are you going to trade a first ballot Hall of Fame third baseman at 32 years old who's not slowing down? Yeah, he had a slow start. He's back to Nolan Arenado again. He's right. been just fine. Um, I, I just don't see a world where that happens. It's also the the contract gets cheaper as as we go. It's $35 million this year. 35 million next year, which is fine. 32 million after that. And then age 35, 36, where I still think he'll be a very good baseball player. 27 million and 15 million. Why would you trade that contract? You have several years to to get it back, get things going again. And Arenado can still be a big part of what you're doing. Um, I don't think there's much validity to that. I've just seen a lot of people on Twitter getting pumped about it. And I think if the Cardinals did do that, they are totally lost. Yes. Because to me, that's the biggest white flag ever. It's like we have no direction. And a guy that we have on, on a pretty affordable deal. For the next five years, we're trading because we don't feel good about where we're at. That's crazy to me. I'd be floored if they even considered moving him.
0: I agree. I think the only reason they could consider moving him is just saying, yeah, we want to play Jordan Walker at third and we can get an absolute incredible package for a guy like Nolan Arenado because to your point, Arm, he is only 32. The contract is really good if someone massively overpays. But if you read the article by Heyman in the New York Post, Most of the article is just Nolan Arenado saying, I wouldn't be surprised. I have been traded before. This is a business. So I'm not putting anything away. I'm not expecting. Yeah, I am 100% staying because I know this is a business. No shit. Realistically, (laughs) like obviously, right? Like, of course, anyone could get traded at any given moment. But is it still extremely unlikely? Absolutely. And to Arm's point about them waving the white flag, you trade Nolan Arenado and you get a bunch of young pieces. Then what's the point of keeping Paul Goldschmidt? What's the point of keeping a lot of these guys? Yeah, right? Then so you then they they trade might trade well Arenado. Do it all Do it all the way. Yeah, then absolutely tear it down. We're going to talk about the White Sox in a minute and their reluctancy to really tear it down, but they're willing to give up some pieces who not a lot of people would take. So if I'm the Cardinals, you either go all in on trading everyone. You trade Jordan Montgomery. You trade Nolan Arenado. You trade Paul Goldschmidt. You trade Tyler O'Neill. You trade basically everybody who's over the age of 30, or you don't do any of that, which is the more likely situation. And when I look at the National League Central, I look at a Cincinnati Reds team who has overperformed a lot of different metrics. You look at a Brewers team who have also performed overperformed metrics. Like you look at their expected win totals, they're still overperforming. The Cubs aren't, the Cubs are fine, right?
1: And then the Pirates win that division.
0: The Cardinals are way down in the dumps. And it's actually historically, you know, very improbable that the Cardinals could come back here. But if there ever is a division and there if there ever was an opportunity to do so, it is in 2023 in the National League where realistically the only team that I have full confidence in is the Atlanta Braves. So there's no real point to doing so. And now it's just being headlines because it said Nolan Arenado is not ruling it out. I mean, no shit. He's been traded before. He's also a very particular instance where he was traded when he was great by the Colorado Rockies. And we know that Rocktober does anything that they want. Yeah. So and, I think the story is a bunch of baloney to be yeah. completely honest. I think there's almost no chance he gets traded. And then if the Cardinals do trade Arenado and don't trade everybody else, they have no direction and have no idea what they're doing.
2: Yeah. And I, Jack, I don't know if you have anything specific that, that you want to add, but the one other thing I was going to say is like, even if the, the, I eulogized the Cardinals, I said, they're dead, They're dead this year. So like, let's say they're dead this year, but to Peter's point, how about next year? The Cubs aren't yeah. a complete product. Uh, all, all, all of the things that Peter said will, will be true next year too. I mean, the Reds are are building something, but like they're still extremely young and, and, you know, who knows if they can put this all together again next year. The Cardinals have a team that still with the core that they have could easily be great next year. You have Brendan Donovan, you have, Coldy you have Newt bar you have arenado you, you have gorman you have walker you you, have, you you need to adjust you need to make some tweaks you got to trade maybe a couple of the other role players you should have traded brendan donovan and lars Newt bar for for sean murphy and i think that's got to be one of their biggest regrets now um yep. because you're stuck with this you know contreras who just on the field continues to look more like a shithead to me like i, I for lack of a better word he just look like you can see why guys don't like throwing to him and there was there was a couple pitches that I saw from Flaherty where it was a horrible frame by Wilson. Like he gave up on a breaking ball that could have been like stuck at the bottom of the zone. And you saw Flaherty like almost show some body language there, like the way that Contreras kind of carries himself, you can tell. But they got to figure something out there too. Like maybe that's a culture issue. Like there's some things they need to figure out. But I don't think trading the Hall of Famer is is the first step in doing so. And I know that the Cardinals a very old school franchise that you know likes to you know do right by their guys. I don't. I don't see this as as one of those moves where yeah, this is this isn't going to take them anywhere where they need to go. So, um, yeah, I, I think the only thing that that they regret is is not trading for Sean Murphy, and that that's about it.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, well, first of all, um, I love that you start that great position player core conversation, and Brendan Donovan is your first name. That's yes. huge for the for the brand of Brendan Donovan. I was going in the, the roster
2: resource order.
1: Yeah, the utility Gold Glove Brendan Donovan. Um, no man, I I think. You know, if you move a guy like you guys have said, you know, pretty much everything that I'm thinking. And Peter, I thought your point, like, if you're going to move Arenado, you better move Goldschmidt too. Like, get him out of that situation. If you're going to move one of them and have Goldschmidt stuck in this, you know, weird purgatory that you're going to find yourself in. Um, and this is the conversation that we're going to have with the White Sox too. If you're going to sell, don't half ass the sell. I don't think the Cardinals are going to sell. If they did, I mean, you better move Goldie and Arenado for pitching. Like, I want five pitchers each. Give me ten. Let's figure this thing the fuck out. And the Cardinals, they they just have to figure out the rotation. I think once they figure out the rotation, we could be okay. But how do you do that? Is it trained? Yeah, the Is the it offense free? has been good. Offense has been good, man. It's just that this pitching staff has been bad.
0: I also think there's a larger element of Cardinals fans freaking out. When was the last time that they've had this type of drama? Before right?
1: Yadier Molina, like,
0: Before, it's honestly, been, more than 20 years ago. It's been two decades. So when nothing is going their way, when there's, like, floating a little bit of trade rumors in a time where it's kind of relatively dead in, in the baseball sphere, not dead because we have All-Star Weekend, but there's not many other stories coming out besides that, right? So you get floated there, and then everybody freaks the fuck out. When if you just read the article, there's no teams linked – the Cardinals haven't come out and said that it's not off the table. He has a full no trade clause. <laughs> the article was I've been traded before. I'm not ruling really anything out into business. That's the article. That's the rumor. That's just no shit. Yeah. So
2: and that, yeah. That's how that's how uh, that's how they're doing it nowadays with some of these headlines. John you know? Mosellock, you gotta commit, my guy. You gotta commit yeah. to something. Are you gonna trade them yeah. all or you're not? What what are we doing here, Moselock? We gotta commit. I, I think they're going to be shockingly quiet. I think they trade Tyler O'Neill. I think they trade the pitchers that are about to be free agents and they call it a day. And I think that's
0: right. You know what John Moselec is doing? This is like when you graduate college and you have a girlfriend and you're like, I don't know if I want to move. I don't know if I want to stay with her. I don't know if I want to make this long term. And you're in that kind of weird position. That's what John Moselec is doing with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's 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 got a girlfriend and he's just graduating from college and he doesn't know what to do because he still loves her. But does he love her that much? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I think, but I think like if, if the, the roster is the girlfriend in this in this hypothetical, like the roster is good enough to roster's great. The roster's beautiful. She's, she's a beautiful just, girl.
0: She's smart. She's yeah. underperforming right now.
2: Yeah. She's
1: so <laughs> headed to law school
2: next fall.
0: Yeah, yeah she's underperforming. No, she wants that.
2: I, I really, I really think that you know, this team at the end of the day, you're not gonna be able to reset and bring a core together that's much better than this with control, like the young and the old. Uh, they can fix this through pitching, you know, acquiring some pitching. Hopefully, getting some guys up there that that are, could be big league ready, and then you know, just cashing in on some of the rentals that you have. Like they have no use of Tyler O'Neill, might as well get what you can get. You have no use of Jordan Montgomery now, uh, unless you want to try to extend him. Uh, you know, they, they can trade some bullpen pieces and then go into free agency, sign a couple arms for once, and maybe trade for an arm, and, and all of a sudden this team can be right back next year. And that—that's really the, the the nature of it. Is the core is good, the roster is good enough. They they learn from their mistakes. Hopefully this year by going into the year and and assuming too much of of their rotation. And I don't think that they make that mistake next year. But John Mizek's a smart guy. Made some mistakes this year you know the when you're a GM or an executive for a long time, sometimes you have bad years just like players. I yep. think this was a bad year for Jose Locke, but I'm willing to bet that he can bounce back and and build off of some of the mistakes. The game changes quickly. He's a guy that's been around for a while and sometimes you got to adapt and you know I think this was one of those where he leaned into you know, I think a career of success, got a little comfortable. And sometimes you got to get the fire to your feet. And I think this 2023 season was the fire that Mosaic needs. And I think he's going to go back to the drawing board and and put together a better team going into next year. But I think that starts with keeping 95% of it together.
0: My only issue is um, I'm kind of dealing with something here too, because I would love Nolan Arenado on the Yankees and I would like to see if we could possibly spin zone this in order to get the Cardinals to trade Nolan Arenado to the Yankees. Do you think that's a possibility? Like we're saying that they shouldn't and that's the actual baseball analysis, but then there's the fan in me that kind of wants to propagandize something. Yeah. Kind of wants to get some stuff out there being like, yeah, you know, I don't know if Nolan Arenado is that good anymore. Like maybe it should be Davey Garcia and Jake Bowers for Nolan Arenado. Maybe we just make that deal.
1: I I think you go the other way. I think, you know, you say if I'm John Mosaylock, What I need is a veteran presence in my clubhouse like a Josh Donaldson.
0: (laughs) Like a Josh Donaldson, right? Like Josh Donaldson's a great defender, right? You only sign Arenado for the glove anyway. Like you don't really care about the bat, right? And Josh Donaldson's going to give you the glove back. Yeah. Then Debbie Garcia. The Yankees have a great history of developing pitchers. Phil Hughes, Jabba Chamberlain, Luis Severino has an ERA under seven.
2: Yeah. Right. So I you, think... you
0: buy one of those guys. Maybe you even throw in a sweetener, like a Willie Calhoun has been kind of heating up and you make the deal. Right. I Nolan was thinking... Arum, he's 35 million this year. It's a lot. It's right? too much. It's way And Josh much. Donaldson, a little bit of a discount, right down to 25. So you're saving a little bit
1: of money. Fuck yeah. the Yankees. Damn it. <laughs> was that a fun exercise? No, no. Fun doing that one. <laughs> no, just to wrap. Uh, The claim about the White Sox, and I think that was also a a Heyman report, that they were willing (laughs) to move some, unwilling to move others, actually willing to move most, but unwilling to move some, I think has a bit more validity to it, Um, and like you can ID the players here, but... I think I think I called this honestly like two weeks ago. I said this is exactly what they're going to do, and it's the wrong decision because they are not going to move anybody that can actually start a rebuild. They're going to half-ass this thing like they always do, and guess what? It sounds like they're going to half-ass it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they said that everyone is available except for Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, and Dylan Cease. So essentially, Tim Anderson, everybody, everybody you want. Is not available. Yep. Except for Tim Anderson, who has been putrid this year, and you know, TA is going to go. I, I do genuinely think TA is going to get moved, and and TA seems like a guy that could benefit from a change of scenery. But from a, we'll get to that in a second because I do want to talk about you know, Tim Anderson and you know if he can help. If you guys think he can help a team, but let's just talk about what what that leaves. The rest, you know, of what trade chips the White Sox would then have. Andrew yeah. Benatendi, worthless. You'd have to attach a prospect. Yasmani Grandal, nobody wants him. Um,
1: <laughs> hey, like Sebi
2: Zavala, nobody wants him. Gavin Sheets, nobody wants him. Lucas Giolito, that's going to get you your best return. He's a rental pitcher. Lance Lynn, that'll get you an okay return since he's been a little bit better. That's, you know, a semi-rental pretty much. And then the relievers are probably going to, like, Ken, Kenyon Middleton might get them their best return. Like, Reynaldo Lopez. Gregory,
0: Gregory Santos.
2: Gregory Santos, Kendall Graveman, they should be trading all of those bullpen arms. Uh, no one wants Joan Moncada. Michael Kopek's probably one of their better trade options, but he's on the IL with shoulder inflammation and he's had a litany of injury history. And, you know, who the hell wants Mike Clevenger, who's also hurt? So it, it's just, this is a spot where, like, yeah, we're not going to trade any of our main chips, but our farm system's not that great. Our big league team's not that good, but we're going to just kind of hang in the purgatory. This, this is, like, this is one of the most, like, blatant purgatory situations and they're not going to spend their way out of it either i mean andrew benatendi is the highest paid player in franchise history right so it's just it's just a joke to add a free agency it's just a joke to me that they think that they're going to be able to work their way out of this without without trading an impactful player i'm not saying you have to trade Cece and robert you got to at least trade Eloy. You got to at least trade Vaughn. You got to try to reset something. How many times are we going to run it back with this group that, one, seems like they don't even enjoy playing with each other, and two, rarely even play with each other because they all take turns on the IL, and three, they just haven't been successful together for years now. Years.
0: And if I'm Rick Hahn, everyone is on the table for me. I mean, it's not like Dylan Cease is this 23-year-old pitcher right? He's going to be 28 by the end of the year. Luis Robert would get you an enormous package and he's 26 years old. So I understand saying it's going to be hard to get those guys, but completely pulling them off the table, you're going to get a lot less phone calls, right? And you want the phone calls to come in. You want to be as creative as possible. So if I'm the white Sox, my message is, if you give us a call, Everyone is on the table. Let's at least talk, right? Pulling these guys off the table and saying, basically, they're not going to get traded. There will be a team out there who would potentially overpay for a Dylan Cease. And then if you overpay for a Dylan Cease, you're in a better position than just having Dylan Cease. There is a team out there that will greatly overpay for a guy like Luis Robert. He is box office. There's no doubt about it. Because the great thing about Luis Robert, he's a phenomenal center fielder defensively. So even at his worst, He's going to give you prime defensive value in an incredibly important position in center field. I've never understood this. It's like these teams that are clearly out of it that pull all of the good resources off the shelf and say, now we're open for business. As a team, if I was the general manager, everyone is available. That doesn't necessarily mean you got to trade them. You don't have to trade Dylan Cease. You don't have to trade Luis Robert, but you're going to get less phone calls. You're going to have less creative offers on the table. And therefore that's just like, yes, they could just trade their, these relievers. And at the end of the day, what's that going to get you? How much are you really going to pay for Lucas G One of the most inconsistent pitchers in major league baseball right now. He's performing well. Do you think smart teams are going to look at a Lucas G and be like, yeah, now I'm finally buying in"? Probably not. They're probably going to view like, look at his career. This is the guy we're trading for. Not for the guy who's having a hot first half. There's plenty of guys in Major League Baseball who are having a hot first half. Doesn't mean it's going to continue. as we're going to talk about in our second half predictions episode. Happens every year. Guys buy in. You have a great first 80 games. And then you fall off a cliff a little bit. That's baseball. It's 162 game season. It's a marathon. So I'm at a loss for words because I just don't understand what Rick Hahn is doing. I really don't. I mean, Jack, you're the White Sox guy. What the fuck is he doing?
1: You're at a loss for words, but you walked us through the entire situation. You're yeah. At a yeah. Loss for words. No, I'm
0: at a, I'm at a loss for words because I don't understand why Rick Hahn would do that. I mo- basically explained what I would do in this situation, but I'm at a loss for words, how he continues to do this and is clearly not seeing results and is not changing anything.
1: Yeah, no, I am officially declaring the Chicago White Sox stuck like they are in middle ground. They're not leaving. I and and again, dude, like any White Sox fan, and unfortunately, like it's it's been a lot of negative. I don't I don't know very many glass half full White Sox fans uh at this point in 2023, but I think every White Sox fan knew that this was a possibility, that they were going to hint at a rebuild, but it wasn't ever gonna be a real rebuild. Yeah. How do you rebuild by moving somebody and, and putting yourself in a tough predicament optics wise? they're not going to move anybody that puts them in a tough predicament optics-wise. If Tim Anderson was playing well, I guarantee you T.A. would have been on that list with the other four. Exactly. He's not not playing well. Like, you're moving. Why would
0: you even get T.A.,
1: right? He's not good defensively, and, like, you're hoping he hits 310. He's a singles hitter. Yeah, but a 300 hitter at the top of your lineup, I think a lot of teams want that as a short Exactly,
0: but that's best-case scenario.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, he's done it, you know, what, four years running before this year. So, yeah, it's it's a really brutal but expected situation with the Chicago White Sox, knowing that the only way they take a step back to take two steps forward is by moving one of the four people that is on the list of people they will not move. They're going to take a step backwards. They're going to be less desirable to watch, and they're not going to get the prospects to to light in an optimistic fire under the fan base's
2: ass. And I think Robert is a guy that I'd pretty much, if if I'm running the the, the White Sox front office, I'm not moving Luis Robert. I mean, you, no. you've got to you've got to give me some all-time package. I'd almost need like a, a Soto-level package to to move Luis Robert. Uh, really? Because Especially with
1: that money. Yeah, yeah I mean, that it, it escalates money, dude, from like six to eight to ten uh, over the next dude, three the next,
2: years. Dude, here's, here's what he makes the next few years. 2023, this year he's making nine and a half. Next year he's making 12 and a half. The year after that he's making 15 and then the two club options at $20 million each. each. So this this deal basically maxes out at $88 million for a player that's playing like one of the best players in Major League Baseball right now. He's got what, 20, 28 home runs yeah. right now, 27. He's playing out of his mind with elite defense and center field. Like this guy can – we've talked about like we were waiting for that MVP season. Well, he's having that like MVP caliber season right now and he hasn't even had his 26th birthday yet. So that's one I understand is like not not entertaining you know anything really on but when it comes to like Dylan Cease like what are you going to do with Dylan Cease in the last 2 years of control he has? Like you're not going to be good by then and you're not going to extend him. We know they don't do that. So like that that's the one guy. That's the guy I ID be, and I'm like you got to listen to offers on him and see if somebody you know and blows Eloy. You away. Eloy Jimenez is hardly yeah, well, on the field for you. Move yeah. him. Yeah, like why is why is your DH who is hurt perpetually untouchable? Like that that would be that's mind blowing to me. um I get I get like if you still believe in Vaughn to this unbelievable degree and feel like you're selling low, like I get I get it. But Eloy and Dylan Cease like that will moving those two guys on top of the other rentals can actually change the the direction a little bit if you if you hit on the return. But I also don't trust Racon to hit on the return either. So it's just one of those things where it's just like. A, You just don't trust the front office regardless. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do at this deadline. I I really hope they move one of those guys just for their sake, because I do think it'll help them. But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting spot to be Jack. What's, what's your prediction Uh, being that you've watched this front office kind of operate now? Do you think they, they move anybody of note or like, who's the most notable player? That the White Sox move at this deadline, I think is the best question to ask.
1: Giolito. I bet they don't move Tim Anderson. I bet they move <laughs> Giolito. I bet they move Lance Lynn and maybe Kendall Graveman, Keenan Middleton. They're not moving Santos. Santos has been awesome, but he's 23 years old and he's like just starting his clock. So uh, I think they're going to move four guys. They're going to move Giolito. They're going to move Lance Lynn. They're going to move Kendall Graveman and Keenan Middleton, and that'll be it.
0: I guess, yeah, I mean, I'd. I would consider moving Luis Robert. <laughs> he's never played more than a hundred games in a season. I know he's only played four, and one of those was a twenty twenty shortened season. But he's also been a guy who has struggled to stay on the field. And if I'm if I'm Rick Hahn, and I got a call coming in from the Dodgers who might be in need of a center fielder and are willing to give me a massive package, like that's the main point I'm trying to say. Is I guess
1: if you, okay, I'm sitting if you're there Minnesota, and listening,
0: not pulling guys off the table. Anyone,
1: if you're Minnesota. Are you entertaining trade packages for Byron Buxton? No, because they're contending. If Minnesota was in if Minnesota was 10 games under 500 right now and you've got Byron Buxton on this 7-year deal, are you moving Byron Buxton? Yeah, I mean in that hypothetical, I would consider it. If if you really?
0: are not contending and you are way down in the dumps and I'm not saying I would trade him. I am saying that optically I wouldn't come out and say, these guys are off the table. That's just how I would handle the front offices. I would say, give us a call.
1: Honestly. honestly.
0: And if you don't come to our price, you don't come to our price. It's a huge price for Luis Robert. You're going to have to give a massive deal, but it's just saying like, I'm not trading him. Well, you're not trading anyone of value. Then, then if I'm a GM for another team, like, yeah, maybe I'll give you a call about G but I'm probably not even
1: really going to talk to you. Maybe you can be creative in that way. Here's the thing, though. Putting him on a no-trade list immediately ups the price for him. Like, you have to add something to get him off the no-trade list. So yeah. I, I think that this could be, you know, a, a, I'm not going to say planted, but, like, this could be a posturing move by the Chicago White Sox, saying, like, we're not moving Cease. We're not moving Robert. Make the deal better, and we'll move him. But that's what for I'm Robert. saying. They said they're not moving him. But, yeah. So yeah. I guess but they could just that- then go back on that. Yeah, it, like, why do they need to tell the truth to the media? True, they, they could don't. just lie. Yeah, yeah.
2: But the, the, yeah, the, the thing with Robert, in terms of the value, I legitimately would need a borderline, like Juan Soto esque package to, yep. to to move him to make yep. it worth it for me. If I'm if I'm the White Sox, and no, I don't think anyone's coming knocking with that, uh, especially yep. with like. I think it's kind of known around the league that, you know, he he comes with with some baggage, not in terms of being like a bad guy, but he's just like kind of like Jazz Chisholm high maintenance. Like yeah. yeah, so when you're giving up a, you know, otherworldly package and you got a high maintenance guy, like it, it can be it can be a little a little tough. Uh but yeah, that, I I'm White Sox are top of my list of teams I'm very excited to see how they handle this deadline. I expect them to do it poorly, but I'm very excited to see nonetheless because Uh, they're they're just a fun team to monitor.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're going to go do a live stream uh, from our hotel. Uh, It is what the Emerald queen casino, um, which is uh, an MGM partner. So yeah, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to stream on YouTube, kind of talking through the all-star game right now. Uh, And then we'll come back with 500 on Thursday, Peter, take us out.
0: Absolutely. So the best way to support the just baseball shows to get yourself some just baseball merch, which you can find in the episode description. Another good way to support is to rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Takes a second. Also hit a like and let us know in the comments if we said anything asinine. If you're like, Peter, no fucking shot I'm trading Luis Robert. You are on crack. Well, tell me why. Tell me why I'm not being optimistic or I'm being too optimistic or tell me why I'm crazy or if you might agree with me or any of the stuff that we said in this this episode. Um, That's Jack. That's Arm. We'll be back for 500. And with that,
1: thank you, everybody.